right, welcome along to the RT Soccer Podcast. I'm Raf Giallo alongside Ed Leahy from RT Sport Online. Today we'll be looking back at the weekend's action domestically and also we'll be chatting a little bit about the Manchester Derby. And to do that, we're joined by League and Cup winners Ollie Cahill and Graham Gartland. Lads, uh, welcome along. How are you going? Oh, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was just saying at the top before we started, um, I think it's some sort of draw to United reunion here. Uh, I think this is the first time you've probably been on the same team since 2008, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, we're just saying two, two good years. Well, it was supposed to be the first year I was there. Obviously, Graham had been there a few years before. We, we won the league and the Southampton Cup was great. And then obviously things went a bit astray uh, in my second season there. But our fond memories of it, it's, it's a great club and uh, had some great times and say. Uh, sharing the dressing room with with the likes of Graham and a few others, you know, Stephen Bradley and Brian Shelley, you know, we had a we had a great squad and uh, you know I look back fondly on that on that time. And Graham, uh you've just been given a good uh, a good talk of and build up there. Uh any kind of stories about Ollie that you can remember from your time together? Uh, Ollie just came in. Ollie had a, a presence about him that he still has to this day that even when you when you you knew what he done in his career, but when he spoke you sort of leaned in to listen and um in fairness to him, he used to sit, we sat beside each other in the dressing room and he'd whisper stuff to me and then I'd say it out like, and then we go, there's an awful, there's an awful smell in this corner and he'd go, that's success, Graham. And I'd go, yeah. And then I'd say it and then I'd look like I was the big time one when it was probably Ollie underneath it all. <laughs> so uh, he used to, but there was a couple of times he taught me and I now it ah, went a bit too far there or something, but yeah. <laughs> He was. Uh, we had a lot of good times, actually. He was. Um, he's a good singer as well, Ali. He's, he's. You know, he gives off this. He gives off this persona that he's the model pro, and he was the old pro. We called him, but he was. Uh, he knew how to let his curly hair down every now and then. <laughs> good stuff. Um, one thing we're going to be chatting about a bit about, obviously, with Manchester Derby uh, across the water, but then also um, Pats versus Shamrock Rovers, kind of being big game um, on Friday that we will chat about. Obviously, Ed Leahy uh, was there for us and uh, obviously Bowes and Rovers coming up uh, as well this Friday. The whole team of derbies, you've played in a lot of them, obviously. Um, like, what mindset would you have gone in uh, into them with? It's probably, you, you try to treat it like any other game, but in fairness, it probably isn't any other game. You know, there's a, you know, there's that little bit extra riding on it. Um, you know, and, and the minute you step onto the pitch, can feel it in the atmosphere you know it's it is it is different um and look if you can't lift yourself to play playing those games as a player you know you can forget about it they're they're the games you want to be involved in you know with the crowds on top of you, it's packed you know there's, there's a lot riding on the game no matter what position the two teams are in in the league i said there's still a hell of a lot riding on it so and i say look they're they're the games you want to play you used to love it Um, i've played in it for for both sides and you know it's um when you lose, it's it's awful. When you win, it's great. I can remember Gary Twig scoring two goals late on in Tala um, against Bowles, and it was bedlam. I think people that left the, the ground before it finished thinking we were we'd lost one nil, and we, we ended up winning two one. And it was, you know, I can still remember that. You get a tingle now even thinking about it. Like so, it was they're they're great games to be involved in. Looking if you come out on top, like it's it's fantastic and it's bragging rights for the fans and, and everything that goes with it. And Graham, any uh, big kind of derby memories that kind of jump out when, like, when that word comes up first? Uh, is there anything that? What's the first thing that comes to mind? <laughs> Probably not very fond memories. Actually, we, I think we lost the Bohemians um, at Daily Mount four 0 and it was a horrific evening. I know I made a mistake for the fourth goal, and then but 
Yeah, it was just a build-up. I was just so looking forward to them. I've been to watch so many, and then you go and trying to play in them. And um, like you said, it was all the pressures on one team. That's probably the the team that's successful at the time, and they're expected to go in and win the game. And then the other at the time we were defending champions with Shamrock Rovers, and then we turn up the Daily Mount, and everybody the the whole expectation is on us, us and they start to get a free hit at you, but. Um, like Ollie said, it's about handling handling it, but also embracing it. And, and as long as you're not trying to be too measured about your approach and, and, and treat it like another game, because it's not, but then also get too excited about it. You, you, start, you start to have to go with the occasion at times, let play on adrenaline at times, and then calm it down when you need to. And that just comes with experience of playing in them. And the more games, you, the more derbies you're playing in, the more sort of... Um, you get used to them and you can you can get through them or, or make try and be as successful in them as you can be really. Yeah. Now we'll be going through the results now um from the weekend. Of course, uh, St. Pat's versus Shamrock Rovers was uh, one of those uh, one of those kind of uh, local derbies. But over the over the weekend it was Finn Harps won, Bohemians won on Friday night, Shelburne nil, Derry City won, Drada United four, UCD two, and obviously as I said, St. Pat's won, Shamrock Rovers nil, and Sligo Rovers nil, Dundalk nil. Now uh, before we get into it, um we'll just listen to Tim Clancy. We'll we'll listen to Stephen Bradley a little bit later on, but first Tim Clancy, St. Pat's man manager um, on his side narrow victory we knew Shamrock Rovers in the last two seasons the way they've won the league at Cantor really and in the President's Cup they beat us there recently um, in a really good game of football and um, our last two performances last weekend and over the four days we were sort of disappointed with um, but I think we showed a different side of us that we can dig in and we can grind out a result as well and we thought the two centre-backs were excellent uh, every ball into the box energy in the middle of the pitch with Chris Forrester and Adam O'Reilly and um, listen Chris pops up with a well, renowned header from a corner, but um, no, listen, we'll take it. Uh, it's a great way to bounce back after the disappointing the last two results. Adam in, in midfield for you tonight was a, a revelation. Yeah, Adam has loads of energy as well, and um, he's been a little bit frustrated with the first few games. Um, he's come on a couple of them, but again, energy wise, that's what Adam brings to you. Um, and we knew as soon as he was going to get into the team that he was going to do well, so um, we're delighted with him. Obviously, Billy King as well, Dara Burns was excellent tonight, Mark Doyle, Owen Doyle, so. I think the whole uh, the whole team really put a shift in, and listen, we were we were delighted to turn a, a bad weekend last week to a good weekend this week. Dara Burns, he's electric at times. I mean, the potential that young man has. How, how far can he go in the game? Dara's brilliant. Um, he's got so much potential as well. But we've got to realise he's only he's only 19. He's still very very young, and he'll have games like last week. Um, the two games he probably didn't get the the best performance out of him but then again tonight you've seen him when he's positive with his first touch and when he takes players on it's it's, it's not just great for us as a, as, as a squad and a team it's brilliant for the fans as well to look at a player being that exciting and trying things and um, I think it's going to be a, a very big season for, for um, Dara and listen he was, he was excellent today for the 75 minutes or so he was on Stephen Kenny was here obviously trying to assess the, the talent on both sides but is Dara one for the future for him do you think? I think, listen, Dara has to just concentrate on, on playing every week in the um, first team here at Pats and uh, I've no doubt that the potential Dara has and the ability that he can go to um, a very high level. Um, you'd, you'd probably be looking at maybe the 21s, possibly getting into them, that squad soon and if he performs there and keeps performing and improving as a young player, I'm sure that he will catch the eye because he was certainly uh, glimpses tonight of, of his ability and, and how good he is for us. 
All right, that was St. Patrick's Athletic manager Tim Clancy after the 1-0 win. Chris Forrester scored the goal uh, on 54 minutes uh, from a header from set piece. Uh, Ed, as I said, you were there. And, and obviously going into that game, Pats were under pressure, obviously losing two, two games in a row and off the back of a really good start to the season. The, the way they did it, and I suppose the, the atmosphere as well that came into it, as was mentioned in the interview with Tony there, it did it all kind of feed into the performance? Well, just listen there, I suppose I wouldn't have agreed now that it was a game of high quality or that there was anything necessarily that would Stephen Kenny have him, you know, jump into recruit. Obviously, Jack Byrne was back playing and playing the full game, which was showing that he is back and he's coming back to his best, which is very encouraging. But Tony's right about the atmosphere at the place. It was a real occasion. I wouldn't really put it in the derby category, you know, but it's certainly a, a game of two teams putting themselves there as, as champion contenders. You know, uh, the game started off quickly, but Rovers control it then, the tempo of the first half especially, and, you know, there was chances, but they, they weren't, they weren't like clear cut too many of them. Like, you know, there, there were chances to get a, get in ahead at the break and stuff, and um, maybe not as Stephen Bradley would have said, which, you know, had chances to win the have the game won by, by half time, but the second half again, look, Pat's got the goal and, and held on. Um, and it was interesting to see a game where you're sort of looking for the stand up, the sort of the sort of um, I suppose you're looking for that sort of showdown between Chris Forrester and Jack Byrne as to who was the influential player on the pitch. And well, Chris didn't do much in terms of influencing play, he got the goal. And he got it from a corner, you know, and he worked his socks off. And it shows he's like he's the player at the moment who's really just doing it at all levels. And he's really back to where he was even back, you know, when he was really at, at, his, at his peak at Peterborough. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so it was a great occasion. Um, it keeps St. Pat's, you know, right there as, as contenders. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they can maintain that crowd at Richmond Park when the likes of... UCD, Finn Harps, and other teams uh, come because the, the team will need that if they want to if they want to stay in the in, in the hunt they'll need that atmosphere. Yeah, and Graham, uh, last week we were chatting to Paul Corey about the defensive issues that Pat's had uh, had in the two defeats and kind of long balls down the middle, essentially cutting them open. And albeit they were always narrow defeats, but looking at the way they uh, performed against Shamrock Rovers and the way they kind of held out, especially defensively, I, I imagine Tim Clancy must be pleased. Like, what did you notice about the way they uh, that, that back four performed? Probably didn't have to defend as many long balls against Rovers because they play a different way. Um, so they were able to sort of go into it, especially second half. I thought they, they, they defended really well, but they got a lot of bodies back behind the ball and forced Rovers to try and play wide, especially to the probably out to Shamrock Rovers left because they knew that the, it'd have to come back inside because Andy Lyons is a right footer. So you, it gives you actually, it buys you a couple of seconds to get across the pitch when you're forcing them out onto that side, knowing there's a right footer on the left. Um, Redmond done really well again, but a lot of the games in front of them with Shamrock Rovers and, and it, they're trying to break you down and trying to probe with some really top quality players. And at, at a tight pitch at Richmond, you can hold out against that a little bit more. Um, I agree. I didn't think it was an overly great game. I didn't think it was uh, anything that you go. That was a great. It was more of an occasion with the with the crowd in. Rovers brought a great crowd as well. Pat, these are the games that Pats didn't win last season. 
They lost last year to uh, Richmond to a 91st minute winner from Danny Mandroyu. Um, they hadn't beaten Rovers all last year, even though they were the tightest, the, their closest challengers. And again, I keep saying that if you're going to try and take something off somebody, you have to beat them. Um, and this is the and they done it. Um, it. It was a big. It was actually a really big win because I think if the I think if they lose it, it's a tough ask for them to try and win the league. So they would have been on three three points from twelve, which wouldn't have been a great start. Now they're on six from twelve, and it gives them a little bit of a. They're level on points with Shamrock Rovers, but Ollie Ollie knows this better than me because he's he's probably won the league a ridiculous amount of times. But the game the, it doesn't really settle down till after the first ten games. You you see where the squads are, you'll see where teams are. Suspensions kick in, injuries kick in. So again, it, it was a big game in terms of the Pats not being over. But it's interesting to see how how the how the league will settle down after the first series of games. Yeah, and Ollie, kind of going forward, uh, Dar Burns was name checked there. Obviously, Stephen Kenny uh, in the crowd, and there's that. Uh, there, I suppose there's that kind of discussion there of maybe players that might be looked at in terms of widening the the Irish squad. I don't think Burns is really in that category yet, but uh, in terms of his potential, like how far can he go? Because Clancy seems very positive about the kind of level he can reach at his best. Yeah, I I'd be excited by him to be honest. Um, I think he's. There could be a lot riding on his shoulders there at Patino. Ed mentioned Forrester, who's, you know, we all know about his quality, but Dara is really coming into his own um, cracking goal on the first night of the season against Shell. Say, Tim alluded to there, maybe a couple of disappointing performances, but I thought he was good the other night without being brilliant. But what I liked about him, he identified Andy Lyons, obviously, is playing on the, kind of the wrong side. He went down the outside of him, he came inside as well on him. And, I think he's an exciting talent. Again, you don't want to heap too much on him too soon. And, and obviously, Tim is playing it down. And yeah, look, he's, he wouldn't be in the frame for getting into senior international squads just yet. But I'm sure he'd be well capable of making the step up into under-21 international <clears throat> and beyond then. He's still, he's still learning the game. He's got a long way to go. But what I've seen of him so far, like this season and last season, I'd be, I'd say oh, I would be excited by him. And I think the Pats players and fans should be looking to him to spark off a lot of things for them. Um, you know, and uh, you know, just once he's he's able to take it all in his stride um, and say not not let it get to him too much. But you know, he's 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 one to watch for sure. And what did you make of Adam O'Reilly's performance? Yeah, he he impressed me too. Um, again, Tim said it there. Lots of energy, got around, got got into things, got stuck in. Maybe you know, with Forrester next to him there, he's some of the stuff he's doing allows Forrester to maybe do a bit more of what he likes to do. Um, but they seem to complement each other well, and you know, um, fair play to Tim, you know, putting him in there. But I, I think he responded to it. Um, and in general, you know, for Pats, it was it was a huge win, and I see the way. At the end of the game, Tim seemed quite pumped up as well, and he was going to the Pats fans and you know geeing them up at, at the end. So it meant a lot to him. But I think the way, I say the way the game panned out and the way they won it, it meant a lot to to all the players and to the team. And as Graham said, that that's a huge win for them just to keep them tipping away on the back of of two two poor defeats and and to beat Rovers is big for them. And you know it's uh, they'd be looking just to kick on from there now. But as I say, just. Just the way you know they were at the end, you can see what a lift it, it gave them. And look, 
everyone wants to beat Rovers. There's a big target on, on their backs. Now, they, well, they know that. Rovers know that. So every game they go into it, that's what they're going to be facing. So and when they do get turned, it was the same in Derry. You know, that uh, was a last-minute winner. And the way that, you know, see the lift, it, it gave the whole Derry team and squad. Not a great game. Again, they say not a great game on Friday, I thought, but a huge win for Pats and that can really galvanise them. Yeah, and a disappointing defeat for Shamrock Rovers, two away defeats to start the season. So we'll listen to um, Stephen Bradley now. He was also speaking to Tony afterwards. Ah, I think tonight we are very good. I think tonight we are very, very good. Probably the best we've been uh, in a few months, to be honest. We look back to ourselves. Uh, we created 13, 14 chances. Today won. Nine times out of ten, you win the game at that. Um, disappointed, obviously, to go we give away, but tonight we are good, very good. Amster was terrific, uh, another sold-out Dublin derby. Um, I suppose that probably helped St. Pat's in the end, did it? Ah, they had something to hang on to. Of course, you're home, the crowd are going to help you. Like I said, they had something to hang on to, but... Um, yeah, no, I thought we were, we were good tonight. So, to what do you put down the, the defeat? One, one, one uh, set play. Um, we need to look back and see where was a block or what was it, but one set play... Um, that was it. Other than that, they had a long shot from Chris Forrester. Um, there was nothing else. We controlled the game, dominated the game. And another night, the game's over at half-time when you look at the chances we had. Um, like I said, it's uh, very easy because you had the result. You lose the game. Very easy to be critical. But tonight, I thought we were, we were very good. You used all your, your bench in the end. And people have been lauding the fact that you have such a talented bench. But is that an issue for you in terms of trying to find the right balance? No, we know our balance. I don't understand that argument. We know our balance. Um, we're fine. We're happy with the group. We're happy with the squad. Um, there's no issues with, with, with the with our balance, how we play. It's, I think it's clear for everyone to see. If you watch the game tonight, who the dominant team were. Uh, Jack Byrne played for just under an hour on, on Monday against Strada. Played the full 95, 96 minutes uh, tonight. Um, how do you think he did? I thought he was very good. Very good. Um, if you see some of the things he did, some of the passes he played in the first half to get us in on goal, very, very good. Um, and it's like I said, it's his fourth game in, in a year, like you know. So uh, he's still getting there, but tonight uh, it was the best he's been this year. But there are going to be so many of these Dublin derbies this year. Does it does it add an extra sort of spice to it? Yeah, but that's part of it. That's part of the league. Uh, that's why it's harder for Dublin teams to win because of the Dublin derbies. But it's great. You see the atmosphere here tonight. Uh, we have another one on Friday, which is great. Um, and like I said, if we perform like that, um, nine times out of ten, you'll win the game. Um, so perform like that, and, and we're still getting there. You, we're happy. All right, that was Shamrock Rovers manager Stephen Bradley um, after that defeat to St Patrick's Athletic. Ed, obviously you were in the stands, as we said, and in term like obviously Stephen Bradley is accentuating the positives there. But in terms of the mood in general uh, in the stadium, especially among the the away support, was there more of that sense of disgruntlement uh, just off that one-off result, or any kind of sign of kind of major concern from from the fans? No, no, I don't. It's too early for disgruntlement. You know, you've just won back-to-back league titles. Any fan who's grumbling at this stage needs to take a good look at themselves in the mirror. Um, but there, there, there are a few, don't worry, um, there are a few who would be. But look, um, I think, you know, it boils down to, it was it was just interesting what Stephen said to Tony there, because he said the same to myself after the game when I sort of asked him where he was in terms of his squad and his, you know, his ideal 11, I suppose. And the lads alluded to it earlier. Like when you when you're playing a right-footed player at left back, it's given teams a little bit of an 
of an advantage, just a slight advantage to help cope with, with what Rovers bring to the team. And like with Jack coming back, he, he's, you know, he's back to his full fitness now, but he's, the team are a different team since Jack went. And Stephen does need to work out what to do, how to play, how to get the best out of Jack Byrne. Um, and how to get the, who are who are the best players to play around them because it's no doubt Jack will be the player player to influence this season, but players like Dylan Watts have come on since Jack left. New players have come in like Danny. Um, you've got Barry Cutter there who's sitting on the bench. Graham Burke sitting on the bench. Two players who looked like they were full of energy when they came running on with a with a point to prove. So obviously, you know, of course, Stephen knows his players. He knows each. But I think when he says he's happy with with the squad and the players. I think there's probably still a bit of working out to do in that sense. Um, and it's just interesting with Stephen. He comes out and you know he makes he sort of makes sense of the of the you know he sort of works out in his head that they had the chances to win the game. They had enough possession to win the game. And nine times out of ten, they would win the game, but they didn't win the game. And so I'm sort of interested in Stephen's mindset uh, if he's if he can just sort of park it on that basis. And like someone like Graham would know him a lot better than I, you know, I would in that sense. So, you know, I wonder is he is he is he fuming with that in the fact that he lost three points there while dominating the player, or, or does he just have the belief that over the season the best team will win it? So, you know, it's it's very early doors, um, but that's just the one thing I sort of I sort of I was curious about Stephen as to how it affects me. So Conte the other day saying he can't talk to anyone for a full day after losing a game, you know, so. Um, does Stephen park it as soon as you know he's had the chat with the lads and do the lads in the dressing room not get the ire of, of losing a game? So it's just interesting that sort of dynamic, but that's kept in the dressing room and it's that's the way it, it's worked well from over two years. So it's, it's just an interesting scenario. Yeah, uh, Graham, just on Ed's point there about how one handles because as he said, it's very early in the season probably to be kind of judging it and. There's a long way to go. They have the deepest squad. More than likely, they'll they'll get up and running properly as the season goes on. Uh, in terms of, does he par- do, would Stephen generally park those type of issues for now until maybe it gets to later in the season where there might be more concern? I think I think a couple of things on it. Okay, he's obviously he's playing Andy Lyons there, but no, uh, Ferruja got injured. He was he's not he, that that's as simple as that. Uh, Sean is injured, so it's 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 necessity that he needs to do that. It's not a tactical thing that Stephen's trying to be overly clever here in it. It's just that's a tactical. Uh, or that's something that's happened through injury, so his hands are sort of forced with that one. He came out after the Presidents Cup game where Pats were really good. And he was very critical of the performance. And he said, we didn't deserve to win the game. It went to penalties, but it wasn't a, it wasn't an acceptable performance. So he's well able to call out unacceptable performances. I think Stephen has always felt that if your performance and your levels are high, results will, will pan out over the course of the season and get them to where they need to be. So every manager and every coach takes defeats um, hard. And you, you can see them talking about yesterday a lot in, in the UK, but it's the manner of it. Like he said, he control, Stephen likes to control the game. He likes his teams to control the ball. He likes them to control the opposition by, by having possession of the ball. So I, I don't think he'd be, I don't think he's over, he'd be overly analytical in terms of um, being too hard on it. I think you feel we'd more control of that game than we did at the President's Cup game. But... We win the President's Cup game on penalties and we lose that to a set piece. You'd be disappointed that all the good work is probably undone by a set piece. 
And like you said, he'll go and look at that and analyse that. But he's very analytical, Stephen, uh, and he's always looking for small margins and small e- edges. So I don't think he ever switches off and pushes a defeat away. But I don't think he does that with a win as well. When we've seen it with Pats that he wasn't happy with the performance, but he made sure that he rectified that at the start of the season. So he would be um, very introspective in that sense. But like you said, there's no... As long as the performances with Shamrock Rovers are good, they're going to win more games than they lose. And like you said, you'll see after the four series of games, and that's when Rovers' squad will really kick in when you see that. Like you said, Lennon's injured. I think Harkins is out for Derry as well, who's a big loss. These lads have are, are very hard to replace, where Rovers have people ready to come in and replace uh, injuries and, and suspensions. And Graham, just on that point, in terms of the squad and having people to come in as the season goes on, does it make it a little bit easier then for Stephen Bradley to keep that squad happy? Because the likes of Graham Burke, who are who's been on the bench more often than not at the start of the season, and obviously we know he's a hugely talented player and international. Um, but I guess there is that is there that kind of scope that he's able to kind of just say it to them like over the season, you will get your opportunities. That's a hundred percent, Raf. And and again, they're at the biggest club in the country. They're the best they've the best facilities in the country. So that's what comes with it. You can't just expect to have a top eleven and then go right, and 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 that's the way it's going to work. That's not the way football is. And and if you want to be competitive, and Rovers have an eye on probably trying to win as much as they can in this period of time, you're going to need a big squad. Again, myself and Ollie went through it. You'd look to the stand sometimes, and four or five lads not even stripped. When we when there was only I think it was 16, 16 subs Ollie, so uh, sixteen players in your squad and the lads not even stripped so that's the way it goes and players just have to roll in and know that you're gonna get your opportunity but be ready for that opportunity and that's and that's what Stephen's probably saying to them listen there's gonna be games that come around you're gonna play and you're gonna be involved in but be ready for it and that's what comes with playing at, at a big club that's challenging for honours and and obviously looking to have a big push in Europe as well. And Ollie, um, obviously Rovers, as we've said, have the deepest squad and you, you have talents like Jack Byrne and, as we said, Graham Burke to come on, kind of those players that are able to play behind a striker. But in terms of maybe, we've talked a bit about control there, but it's that step of uh, making the most of that control and being able to score as many goals as possible. Is that still a bit of an issue, especially when it comes to centre forward? Uh, yeah, possibly, but as Graham said there, obviously Rose are a possession-based team and I'm sure they're quite confident, even from listening to Stephen there, if they keep playing that possession game and have that amount of possession, I'm sure they're confident that they will be able to open teams up and, and put the ball in the back of the net. So, I think Ed was in there. They had a few chances, not majorly, maybe clear-cut chances. Finn had one in the first half, Gaffney as well got in, but, um, you know... Uh, I'd say there'd be no one pressing the panic button or at and yet at Rovers saying, oh, geez, we can't score goals or we can't do this or do that. And just even looking at, at, at Graham Burke has come on, I think, in each game. He scored twice already. So it doesn't seem to be a problem with his attitude. He looked sharp again when he came on the other night. So he'll, I'm sure there's periods in the season where he'll play and others will be left out. And you go, that, that's the that's Stephen Bradley's job to try and keep them all happy a lot of the time. It's not the 11 players that are playing, it's the other lads that you need to try and keep happy. But it looks like, you know, they're all, the same when lads are coming on, they're up for it, they're keen. 
and Dylan Watson up in Derry comes on and scores a goal, you know, same same thing. So the depth they have, you're looking at their bench, it's it's ridiculous, really. Um, and it's, it's keeping them all happy. But it looks like Stephen's well able to do that. He can manage he can manage those lads, and they're all really good top pros. Against Graham said they're at the, the best club in the country at the moment, best facilities. So they'll just keep their head down and keep doing what they're doing. As I say Stephen is is positive there in his interview after. I wouldn't expect anything less. And he try and keep that positivity going into the big game um coming up this week um and, and keep them going. What better way to to bounce back from that than you know winning a big derby game? So uh, I'm sure as I say there won't, won't be anyone too pressing the panic button or anything just yet there. Yeah, as you said, there's a big game coming up and Bohemians are coming into that after a 1-1 draw at Finn Harps. So second half goals, Ryan Connolly of Harps equalising after Amacheri scored an opener earlier in that second half. Uh, Ollie, just in terms of bowls and how they're shaping up coming into this derby, like what, what kind of shape are they in? Or do you feel like can they, can they match Shamrock Rovers? Because you know in these type of fixtures, you've played in them. It doesn't matter really where the clubs are at. Um, anything can happen. Yeah, anything can happen. I think Bowles will probably be be happy enough unbeaten after three games. Although well, I'm a share getting sent off, like that's it's going to be a big loss. He's he's a handful. In fairness, he's a handful. Maybe Graham would have have seen him playing as well and as a centre half. Like he's he'd be in your face. He's got a couple of goals as well. Could have got a winner thump one off the crossbar as well on on Friday night. So. Um, and even t- when I saw him in, in last season, I know Georgie Kelly was the main man, but the bits I saw of him, look, he looked, he looks like he's a bit of rawness there, but got good potential and, and it would be a handful to play against. So he's going to be a big loss for them. Um, but I say, look, they had three games unbeaten. Um, they had a good win against against Pats, drew two all with Dundalk. Um, so I'm sure they'll be quietly confident and, you know, they the and more than Rovers, they love those derby games and going into those big games. And they've had a few great wins as well um, at Tallis Stadium. So they'll be looking forward to it. And I'm sure they'll be they'll be confident enough, as I say, going into it on the back of their unbeaten start to the season. Yeah, and as uh, Ollie mentioned there, um, Promise Amachere, he's made a reasonable start to the season. Obviously, the red card will be is costly in terms of his uh, availability for this Friday. But Graham, in terms of Bowes going forward, as as he said, Georgie Kelly, you know, he was brilliant last season, but he's obviously not there now. Do they have the tools going forward to to hurt Rovers? I, I agree with Ollie. I thought Promise was has been excellent. He started the season really well. Um, I seen him last season, and I thought he was real handful. He's, his willingness to actually run the run beyond people is is very good as well, and he's timing them that he, he's willing to run the channels, but he's also willing to stand and hold the ball up and be a presence down the middle of the pitch. Uh, I think he's I think his second yellow card's a terrible decision. Like he just he just plants himself. He hasn't put his arm up. How would I give him a yellow card for that? I like I'd actually be embarrassed if I was to centre back to go down for that as well. Um looking at him. I know he's been clever and he's been experienced and he gets him sent off. But um he I think he will be a big loss. I know he brought in Ryan Cassidy from uh Watford on loan. So it's a big game for him if he comes into play. Um, in fairness to Dundalk, the, or in fairness to Bohemians, they've had a really tough start. They've Dundalk, Pats and Finn Harps away. So to be unbeaten in, in, in at the start of the season is a great achievement for them. Um, they've a good record against Shamrock Rovers last season. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they go and approach the game um, on Friday. But it, it makes for a great game. I think it's going to be a sellout. I think it's going to be a fantastic occasion. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. I'll be doing co-coms on that as well, Raf. So there's a bit of a plug. 
Oh, uh, good stuff. <laughs> uh, but, uh, good to get that. Yeah, good, that, yeah that, that's more like myself on that first week that we were on this podcast together. Well, plugging so, the life out of yourself, yeah, Rob. Yeah, plugging the life out of myself. Yeah. Um, just, uh, just watch the action mute, mute the. the <laughs> <laughs> um, people drifting off for about quarter past nine there. <laughs> yeah, Ed, Ed. In terms of uh, derby narratives, uh, obviously, you know we can't uh, we can't make uh, match predictions or anything at at this stage. But if in in a I suppose in the world where maybe Bohemians win that fixture and then what we've been talking about with Shamrock Rovers there uh, in terms of maybe not panicking at this stage, how does that narrative change? And I know we're the scribes here, Ed, so um, we kind of set the tone sometimes. Well, I don't know, Ralph, but listen, uh, I think <laughs> I think the vital thing is, you know, Bows will come to this game buoyed by the fact, as the lad said, they've had a good start to the season when, when, pe- when people were writing them off before a ball had been kicked, you know, with the players who've missed and lost. Of course, Omicherry would be a big loss because he, not only is he a handful, he, he caused Rovers trouble uh, anytime he plays against them. Um, I think Stephen Bradley's side tend to try and take the derby element out of these games when sometimes, I think, for the first 10, 15 minutes, they need to go out there and just match whatever, whatever scenario is going on in the pitch, however Bowes kick into into life with that with that sort of mad derby pace to it, you know, bowed on by a full house in with a large travelling support. Um, I think, you know, once Rovers can can sort of match them in that sense, then they will naturally just set the set the tone and tempo of the game. And you know, once the once you know once they get through the first 15 minutes unscathed, I can see Rovers um a much more Rovers like performance at home uh, with the with the quality com- when you're comparing the squads. Um, obviously, Key Long knows exactly how to deal with these situations, so it'll be interesting to see how he how he sets his team up and how he uh, who he sort of puts out there to to nullify the Rovers attack. But it, it should be probably one way traffic to a certain extent. But again, you know, Rovers will need to. Make the chances and 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 take them because because Bowes will will not will not stop for ninety minutes in this game. Yeah, and uh, before we before we move on to draw the United UCD, um, Graham, in terms of Finn Harps and their resilience, obviously as we've said at the start of the season, it was going to be a tough one for them in terms of the amount of change and amount of players they've had to bring in. Um, where like in terms of where they're at, uh, do you think um, Ollie Horgan's going to be relatively happy? I would be, yeah. I, 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 there's a togetherness about them that he, he, he managed to um, encapsulate every year. There's a big word for you there. I threw that one in just to ah, look for Ed. Um, Spell it. Was <laughs> 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 it word of the day here on the desk? We're not playing Scrabble, Graham. I know, yeah, it's Wardle. I'm, I'm got into Wardle. Um, so yeah, he's, he he just manages to keep them together and get them going. And and in fairness to them, it's a great result up there. Uh, uh, it's a great goal actually. Conley scores. I seen the clip of a back Jordan when I was do, watching the game, and uh, it's a wonderful goal he scores. But they always they just seem to have a togetherness and a doggedness about them that they pull out results, and it actually makes for um, an interesting bottom half of the table because then go drop the goal and beat UCD really well and drop had a had a spell against Rovers in the game where they were good and got it back to two one. Uh, UCD have had some good results as well and some good performances here and there in terms of um, sporadic parts of the game. So um, it's gonna be it's gonna be tight down the bottom, but I think it's also gonna be tight at the top as well when you can see all the teams taking points off each other as well, Ralph. 
Yeah, um, as you said, Drada got a victory there, 4-2 over UCD. Segway into that for you, Raf. Yeah, yeah, no, I was part, yeah, segue there is another good <laughs> word. And encapsulated, we're going to be yeah, I'll tell you what, by, yeah. uh, by Chris Lyons' brace. So we're just going to listen to Kevin Doherty first because uh, obviously as Drada manager, they were coming in as the only team with no points uh, going into, the, uh, into match week four. So it's a huge boost for them. But here's what he had to say to LOI TV afterwards. Look, did you say fourth win? It's only a tour game, so it's not. It's not like we've been waiting, waiting a long time. We played our first game this time last week, so no, it was, it was a good way. It was great, great. Uh, the goals we got was really good. Of course, I'm disappointed with the manner of the two goals. Sort of continues a little bit from the other two games where I, where I was really disappointed with the goals we conceded. But look, that's just the negative side of it. Fo- uh, focus on the positives for now. We learn off the off that side. But some excellent goals, some excellent performances. Crowd were brilliant. It was a, it was a, it was a great night to get your first win. Was it a coincidence that I think all of the goals were created down the right hand side? Well, obviously not. Like again, a lot of the time. And to be fair, they came down the right side because we had spoken about Kerrigan on the on the opposite side. So Evan wasn't really attacking as much. He was while Georgie was was had sort of free reign to go. We were sort of keeping Evan back a little bit. So that's probably where that came from but uh, no the quality of fairness came came in from Georgie and then obviously the lads movement was great and the finishing was great so Alright that was Drada United manager Kevin Doherty and a much needed win uh, Ollie as I said uh, it, given that they were coming into it as the only team without any points uh, it's vital for them and it, and obviously from how he was speaking after the game um, it's kind of accentuating the positives sort of in the way that Stephen Bradley did but obviously in different, completely different circumstances and kind of points them up upwards up the table Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a huge three points um, for them it's a, it's, that first win is all important and you know, the longer it drags out the, the more it can be that noose hanging around your neck but you know, and they, they probably would have expected to to beat UCD at home um, I think was it, it, it was free for everyone's attendance on the night, so they had a full house, big crowd behind them, and you know, they did. They scored some really good goals, and and they alluded to it there in the interview. There was some really good link up playing, nice and patient, keeping the ball set down that right hand side, and you know, I said if Chris Lyons is, he's a quality striker, really good. Got a couple of goals. Good to see him up and running. Um, Dean Williams as well, like a really good young player. Um, getting goals there will just feed into his confidence. So, a good night all around for them to say. Couple of well, the last the, the second goal was a brilliant finish by Liam Kerrigan, but an awful goal for for Drada to concede. Um, Colin McCabe was running out to the edge of his box and the centre half heads it away. I, I don't know what he's doing out there, but if he's coming that far, you've got to let people know you're coming. Um, so yeah, Kev will be disappointed with that. Like can't be can't be making those sort of mistakes and against the better teams that they will get punished. But look again for them, I think it was just important to get those three points get their season up and running um, and look to to the next game. They've got Sligo, another home game on Friday night, so they'll be looking to to get more points from there. But yeah, big three points for them. And I think obviously Kev is, is relieved there and happy to, to get a few goals as well. Yeah, as Ollie said there, Ed, um, in regards to that initiative for free entry, I mean, they had promised to do it and uh, that was the first real opportunity to, you know, to, I suppose, give back to the fans after what has been a, co- uh, a tough uh, couple of years for for people. Um, and, and obviously you were at the, you were at Richmond Park and the atmosphere was amazing. I, I saw your kind of video clip that you put out on social media uh, just from the stands and there is a real buzz around the place, whether there's an initiative or not. There is the whole league is buzzing. Um, you know, generally it, it sticks with like the teams who are competing for the for the title. You know, but just 
you know, maybe perhaps the Irish public are finally cutting on to the fact that you know going to a game of football at a stadium with it, with people surrounded you uh, is you know irrelevant of the of the actual quality of football sometimes but the atmosphere and the occasion and the experience is, is what was what life football is all about and you can see it in the crowds there's young young crowds coming through a lot a lot of a lot of uh, female spectators now as well are coming in and clubs are recognizing that and they're making the facilities a bit better now Richmond Park toilet facilities were maybe under pressure with the full house on on Friday night and but there was plenty of food trucks and stuff around which gives you that sort of you know, incentive for kids to come and get your chips at halftime and all that sort of thing. But Drogheda did a great thing by uh, showing, you know, opening the doors for free, but obviously it's not sustainable. And, you know, people were talking about the 20 quid prices for matches, but like it's, it's really good value still. Like, you know, the, if, you, if you look at the price of cinema recently, you know, at the moment, you, you look at the same price just to go and sit and see and watch it, watch a movie that you could watch at home on Netflix. So, um, look, yeah, the atmosphere is, always start well at the start of the season. So let's hope it maintains and, you know, places like Finn Harps, Derry, you know, you go, especially going on away trips to those sort of places. It's a real experience and it's something that more and more fans are starting to enjoy and to, and to discover, I suppose. Yeah, I'll try and make my way up to Finn Harps anyway because sort of it's sort of my direction where I come from except you have to just keep going further and further north. But, uh, Jackson, is Jackson's Hotel still open? Is it? Like, that, I, like, that I don't know. Overnight there is always a good night when, uh, when Rovers are in town. Anyway, I know that. Yeah, but uh, elsewhere, anyway, Shelburne uh, lost 1-0 at home, or 1-0 at home to Derry City. Patrick McElhenney with the winner uh, with 17 minutes to go. So we'll just listen to Damien Duff first because they are still having teething problems and uh, there, there are probably a few traits that have been kind of showing up over the last uh, four games. I thought a draw would have been a fair result. I thought defensively we were brilliant for... <laughs> 89 minutes of the game, he gave away a poor goal. Um, obviously, a new system tonight. They adapted really well, defended really well, had a great shape. We were compact, so never really felt threatened. Obviously, we give away a, a poor goal, and then with the ball offensively, I thought that was the real downside. I didn't think we looked after the ball well enough, especially in the second half. I suppose in the four games, you haven't scored in three of them, and using Jack Mullen just before half time hasn't helped, has it? Oh, listen, Jock, hopefully it's not a bad one. I think he's felt something in his hammy. Uh, obviously, before the game, Dan Carr is not fit, and then lose Mark Coyle obviously he was a, the fulcrum of the team as well I guess you could say so um, listen we finished with a patched up team but uh, that's uh, not taking that away from the performance or anything like that I said we're disappointed but we move on Yeah it looked like a very hard working team out there is you kind of instilling this hard work ethics in the team? I tried to but I don't think you should have to they're professional fo- footballers this is their job Doesn't always work that way though does uh, it? Does, yeah. No listen yeah. that's the man stuff but listen they're an unbelievable honest group I love them to bits I honestly do Um and yeah, they work hard every day. I've never faulted them for one minute um, since since day one on on you know working hard. Um, like I said, I've just told them there. We just need to take care of the ball better. All right, that is Shelburne manager Damien Duff after the one 0 defeat at home to Derry City. Graham, uh, we for, the 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 start of the season for for Shelburne. Obviously, it was a disappointing one at home to Pats. Um, although it was a, obviously we know um, how how good Pats are as a team, but. There were question marks over the defence. They seem to be they seem to have improved on that side in terms of getting clean sheets, but they're still not really getting the breaks at the other end. Yeah, I think like they missed Dan Carr as well on on Friday night, which was a big loss from because he he obviously um, has has a bit of pace and and is able to stretch 
defences and running behind and stuff. It's going to take time for Damien. He, he, 15 players out and 15 players in. And, and that that chemistry and that togetherness doesn't just happen overnight. But he's obviously trying to get them in as much as he can and build that. I watched, I actually watched the game because I, I, I thought I was buying a season pass on League of Ireland TV and it was just one game. And I thought, I'll click in and watch all the other games. And then I had to pay for all them together as well. So I was like, no, that's not happening. <laughs> so, um, but I, so I ended up watching a lot of this game. And again, I agree with him. I thought defensively they were really strong. I thought they kept their youth. They limited them to chances. I think McGonagall had one uh, off of Brandon Kavanagh ball where he, he goes over the bar. And then they just sort of switch off from a set piece. It's the second phase of the set piece. You can see them all getting out of the box really well. And then two of them just stay in a little bit, get attracted with runners and, and catches their eye and they stay in. Um, there's a header on goal. Webb should maybe push you, across, push you out for a corner, another corner. And McElhenney follows up. There he just upped the tempo of the game around the 60-minute mark. I think Matty Smith came on and he sort of drove at them a little bit. And the tempo of their attack and play just went up a little bit where it looked like they were in the ascendancy and then the goal comes. Um, but it, I agree a little bit with Damien. I don't think there was an awful lot in the game. Um, I think Derry probably had the two clear-cut chances and took one of them. Um, and that's probably the difference in in, in uh, the cutting edge of the pitch at the top end for them. So um, I, I understand what he's saying. He, he doesn't want to come away with moral, moral um, victories neither. And, and he wants to try and get his team performing and that they're not happy with just getting beaten 1-0 thinking oh well we, at least we played well so he's constantly driving them but um, like you said it's going to take a while for the players to gel. Uh, Kieran Harkin for Derry obviously Derry have made a great start to the season Ollie but uh, how how, do you, how are they going to be impacted by that particular injury? Yeah he's he's a big player for him again lots of energy gets around the park um, he's influential in, in what they do and you know again allow another players around them to to do to do the things they, that they can do but look Rory has built a, a really good squad there at the moment and look you still have Michael Duffy to come back in and you know you're looking quality throughout Matty Smith comes on and so like McElhinney Brandon Kavanagh boy stomaching like they, they really have quality throughout there so I'm sure they'll be they'll be able to replace him obviously he's a big loss and um, I feel for him like he's 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 a great lad too and you know it's tough when you get when you get those season ending injuries but um you know like they're they're title contenders and up there for a reason because of the squad and the players they've brought in so um I'm sure they'll be they'll be able to replace him and you know like they'll be obviously delighted with the start they've had top of the league eight points so um you know they'll they'll be looking to to kick on again now away to UCD on Friday, another one they're probably looking at, you know, should be able to take three points there and then keep moving on, you know, but I say it's a blow, but I'm sure they'll be able to, to bounce back and uh, from that and I say have the squad there to, to have players to come in and replace Karen. Yeah, and the final result of match week four was Sligo nil, Dundalk nil. Ed, I suppose very quickly on this one, the pitch was arguably the biggest talking point and it was more in terms of how it impacted uh, how both teams played. Yeah, it was. And, um, you know, I've sort of, when I saw Stephen O'Donnell's comments, I was, you know, you're obviously sort of wondering, is he just looking for excuses there, you know, going up and not coming away to three points? But uh, apparently, yeah, the pitch up in Sligo is not in good condition at the moment. And, you know, it is probably understandable with the, um, with the weather that has especially hit the West and the Northwest over the past three or four weeks that the pitch isn't up to, up to standard. And, and you know, it's, 
it's a lean Buckley team, you know, they need a good pitch to play on. So it's, it's hurting the home team probably more than anyone else. Uh, so I'm, I imagine it will be uh, rectified and remedied over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, in the first division, uh, before we get to the Women's National League, uh, the first division, Cove Ramblers, nil, Treaty United, nil, Galway United, two, Waterford, two, which was a really good game. And also there was a red card in that one. Wexford, two, at Lone one. So two wins in a row now for Wexford. And then on Saturday, uh, Longford Town, nil, Cork City, nil. Ollie, just very quickly on Wexford. I know before we, uh, we hit record on this, you were uh, chatting to me about them potentially having a fairly positive season. Yeah, yeah. Just looking at, at the players involved in their squad, like you know, Paul Hunt's a solid keeper, been around that division for a while. Larkin Fitzgerald, I mean, their top three: Aaron Dobbs, Dini Corker, and Connor Barry. They brought Connor Davis on, Aidan Freel. Decent players and decent squad. I think they did okay last year. Ian Ryan was building there. Brought another couple of players in this year, so um, I'm saying they they're going to get promoted or win it or anything. But I think they'll they'll cause a few problems for team on it. They got heavily beaten the first night of the season, but they bounced back with, with two wins now. So um, I don't think anyone, any team playing them would be taking anything for granted against against them. Um, yeah, and I could see them causing a few problems along the way this season. Yeah, and it's uh, it was a good weekend for the men's and women's teams down in Wexford because Wexford Youths uh, won 2-1 at that loan in the opening weekend of the Women's National League. Uh, Cork City lost 3-0 at home to Galway. P-Mount United beat uh, a new, the newcomers, Sligo Rovers, 6-0. DLR Waves beat Treaty United, 5-0. And Shelburne beat Bowes, 1-0 in a Dublin derby. So all, the big three that are expected to challenge for the title-led um, between Wexford, P-Mount and Shells, uh, reasonably good start for all of them and maybe if we start with P-Mount obviously uh, against it was going to be a tough day for Sligo Rovers given they're the newcomers it's their you know the first time they're really on the scene and then you know given the t- daunting task against a team that features the likes of Stephanie Roach and Anya O'Gorman who both scored braces it was always going to be a tough task and they'll be move, moving on to maybe uh, whatever comes next for them in terms of picking up points as the season goes on. Yeah as expected, I suppose, you know, the strong teams will show their hand and, you know, but I think with the league, um, two things, I suppose, that, that we saw last year that the, the gap between top and bottom is, is narrowing quite considerably and the quality from the regional teams, especially, is starting to come through. And, you know, it, it makes sense, it, like, it, it shows, I suppose, the, the value of the league as well is still there because of the importance that it still has in, I suppose, filling out the squad of Vera Powell's international squad, that it's she's still very much reliant on home-based players to maybe not necessarily be in that first 11, even first 14 or so, but like in terms of the squad and the extended squad and the development of the young player especially, you see that in places like Wexford, um, like Ellen Malloy coming through, um, that's, the league is vital. Uh, the one disappointing thing I thought from the league opening up uh, the absence of, of a Shamrock Rovers team. Uh, we know it's obviously coming in the future, but it it does add to the brand. And it's 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 a reflection on both the league and the, and the club, I suppose. You know, like, I don't know what, you know, how how far advanced they were getting in, you know, even getting in this year, but like it's 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 gonna happen uh, sooner rather than later, which is which is good to see. And I think it adds to the league's uh, brand and it will and it will certainly add to uh, it, it, the whole, the whole, um, the whole package, I suppose. Yeah. Now, Shelburne, the champions, and it was one of the most dramatic final days uh, at the end of last season. But they, as I said, beat Bohemians one 0 Jonathan Higgins was down there for us. So uh, here's his report. 
Shelburne got the defence of their Women's National League title off to the perfect start with a hard-fought victory over Bohemians. The game took place in sunny conditions at Tolkien Park and took on a typical opening day of the season encounter with both teams showing slight signs of rustiness. Both defences were on top as the teams cancelled each other out in what was a stalemate encounter for large periods of the game. The only goal of the game came on the 75th minute when team captain Pearl Slattery headed home on Noel Murray corner, much to the July and huge relief of the large crowd in situ. An ever-improving both sides can take reward from a largely impressive team performance, but it's Noel King's side who take the three points. Full-time at Tolka Park. Shelburne 1, Bohemians 0. So that was Jonathan Higgins, who was down to see Shelburne uh, beating Bohemians 1-0. Now, he was also chatting to the manager, Noel King, afterwards, and also the scorer of the winner, Pearl Slattery. Noel, good start to the defence of your title. You know, hard fought, but uh, important three points. Great start, absolutely. Three points was the key. It has to be, you know. Uh, it was a tough match for him as a well-organised. The conditions were tough. Uh, a beautiful, uh, beautiful day. We have played better, there's no question about that. Uh, but we've got three points, clean sheet, first goal of the season, and that should help our morale and should uh, start us on a, a bit of a flow. I hope. You never know, though. And whenever you needed a, le- a leader, talk about the leader, and you come through with a bullet ahead of there. <laughs> Pearl, she done this last year, very same time, apparently, in the first match, and uh, we were half sort of expecting it. <laughs> she's, she's a gem, absolute gem, honestly. And I suppose it just goes to show in a game where probably defence is slightly on top, maybe teams cancelling each other out, the importance of set pieces. Well, that's the truth, yeah. In actual fact, we, we, well, I won't say nothing. Set pieces are crucial, both for and against. And the more time you spend on, the luckier you get sometimes. A nice little ray of attacking options, you know, some brilliant young talent as well coming through, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Coming off the bench was really exciting, you know. Gloria, Abby, uh, really, really made an impression when they come on and, and sort of gave us a lift that we hadn't had. So full marks to them, they took that opportunity and we'll see where it goes next week, picking the team. Yeah, I was going to say, you might have a couple of selection dilemmas. Yeah, we have, we have a stronger squad now, I think. Uh, there's going to be huge competition for places. Uh, that puts pressure on the players, it puts pressure on the coaching staff, puts pressure on me to pick the team and make the changes. And that's, that's not easy, I suppose, but uh, it, everyone says it's a great way to be. <laughs> I suppose, I'll let you know at the end of the year. I suppose it is kind of needed. You know, you have Sligo back in the league this year, so that's another round of games. Yeah. You'll have Europe as well to come as well. You are going to be stretched like you're probably going to need a deep into your, your reservoirs. Yeah, and that's, that's the fact. So we have added to the group uh, and we'll be playing you know, a couple of matches, maybe midweek as well. Preparation for Europe will be different. And... It's just great progress, you know, it, it takes it on another level and also hopefully makes a challenge to the players, which I know they want to be successful. They're a great bunch, as I said, and um, we'll see where it goes. Lastly, just got to touch on the crowd here as well. It was, I, I have to say, I found it heartwarming, the amount of a huge crowds, firstly, but, you know, young kids as well coming up getting autographs. Just a real buzz about it's football like here. It's a proper football club and it is a proper football club. It's a legendary club and these are hopefully will become a legendary team. That's the, ch- that's the challenge, but uh, it's, it's great to be involved. Well, Pearl, I suppose the first things first, we've got to start. What a bullet of a header when your side needed it most. Yeah, look, delighted to help the team. Obviously, that's what it's about, just getting three points today. I, I said to Rachel Kelly, an ex-teammate of mine, she saved me header in the first half. And I just thought, look, it was a great ball. We've done some work on corners and training. And I just popped out and seen it was coming from me. And I just, with any header, you just get it on target, hit it as hard as you can. Um, so, look, just delighted. Tough pre-season, six, seven weeks. And we've always said as a team, it's so important to start well in your first game and I mean three points and a clean sheet doesn't get any better. 
And I suppose in a game where defences, I suppose, predominantly were on top and maybe the teams cancelled each other out mode, it just shows to, to show, even at the highest level, how important set pieces are. Yeah, it is. And look, bows are well set up. We knew from last year this was going to be a tough game. Sean sets his team up so well. They've brought in good players. They have a good squad. And it was pretty even. We probably had more of the chances, but Rachel and Fairness had done really well in goal. And then, yeah, right, set pieces, we talk about it all the time in training. It's only when you look at it now, we've scored and got the three points from a set pieces. So, so important. But look, as I said, we're just delighted to win the fourth game. Yeah, because it only seems like yesterday when those magical scenes were when you won the league here and did everything that went with it. it. But it's back to the grind now as well. You know, you are the top darling now. Everyone wants to get you back. It's going to be a different type of challenge this year. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you were here that night. It was a special night here, but it's gone. Um, and we're in a new season. We have that focus. And as you said, just pressure that comes with being champions. And look, we've always found that Shell's team's just come up and always want to play well against us, and especially now that we're champions. But look... We'll enjoy that, we'll work hard, we'll we'll always compete in any tournament, in any game, and that's all we want, and look, nothing to be different, we'll give everything in every game, and you could see there, things probably weren't going as smoothly in the first half, but we still stuck together, kept going, we brought on substitutions, which is great, and uh, we got the three points. Yeah, you just on that as well, there's some quality on the bench now as well, and like Noel has a lot of, op- you know, different type of, even attacking options, as well. Glory come on there as well, and you sign in as well, so there is this strength and depth, which you probably need with all these games, is there? Yeah, absolutely, there's more games this season as well, with Sligo coming in, you have the Cup, you have Europe, just even league games, you know, it's great to have, look, Gloria played with us in 2016, it's brilliant to have our back, you have Abby, you know, you have Aoife Kelly, there's so many... So many there on the bench, Leah Doyle, that come on and play their part. Kiva Keenan's coming back from an injury. She'd be like a new signing. You've Amanda McQuillan there that like you're seeing. When Amanda got injured, we can just make that change easily, which is brilliant. So it helps. And look, Noel has a headache every week. It's what you want as a manager. And the 11, I always say, that go out, you know, keep your spot. And then the girls who come on, stake your claim. Um, but look, to me, that's healthy. The squad's together. We're like a little family, so we'll keep going. And just on that very quickly as well, there seems to be a convertible to brilliant talent coming through as well. So Abby coming on there, I thought Jessa was brilliant in the middle of the pitch as well. There's, it's, you know, and you look in the crowd there as well, there's so many young kids, so many girls, they're out at half-time, they're queuing up, getting autographs as well. There's a real buzz about the game in general at the moment. Yeah, I think you can see it around the game, around the country, especially in this league. Look at the crowd here today. It's only Sinead Taylor had said to me, you know, halfway through the first half, she said, what a crowd. And I said, it's unbelievable, it's brilliant. And as you said, you've liked it, you know, Abby Larkin there is coming through. We signed Aoife uh, Kelly, Kate O'Dowd, Leah O'Leary, who's only a youngster as well. And then we've brought in the likes of Gemma and we still have Taylor Waikiva. As I said, it's just good buzz. But we've a, we've a nice blend of youth and, and experience. And, and as I said, look, see all those young girls in the crowds. That's, you know, since last season and this year, it's just unbelievable the crowds that we're getting to games. And look, long may it continue. Absolutely. First win of Manny, no doubt. Thanks, Emil. Thanks. All right, so that is the Shelburne manager and player, and also Bohemians is Pat Trahey, the assistant manager, was also chatting to Jonathan. A good performance from your side, but I guess frustration is probably the strongest emotion after that. Yeah, and it's frustrating because, you know, we worked so hard through the whole game, and, you know, you get nothing out of it. And these, this did, so it's a hard, hard thing about elite football. You make one, not a mistake, you leave a player like Pearl uh, exposed and she scores that header. I kind of kind of go it for the girls more, less, more not, not as much us, because they're the ones that worked hard so for the 90 odd minutes. Um, I thought it was a good game. It was an entertaining game, big crowd, but uh, yeah, they're, they're very disappointed. Not that it's probably scant consolation at the moment, but the defensive, I suppose the whole structure of your team was quite impressive. I thought you, you caught them off sides many times. I thought 
they might have had maybe edged the possession in the first half initially as well, but they didn't really create a lot of problems, aren't you? Yeah, I thought we were really solid at the back. I thought Chloe Darien played in the six, and the, the back four were really, really solid. Race and the kind of the goalkeeper was excellent. Uh, as you say, like they had a lot, of, they did have a lot of possession. They're quality side. They're, they're league champions. They're playing at home at Target Park, but I thought we were really, really uh, organised at the back. Uh, as you say, there wasn't any chances. Race made a really good side the first half, but uh, we're happy with the performance, you know. And onwards, you know, we just had to keep moving on and onwards and upwards and all that. But we got six, seven new players. We got the bed them in now and they got to get used to the club and used to how you play but I think I'm really confident that we're going to have a good season Yeah look your club very much you know the growth rate is shooting up the last couple of years in particular since you've come into the league as well but there's more you know green shoots there as well well like many teams will come here to the champions and, and struggle you guys put up a good performance that's stuff to take forward for the rest of the season now yeah we have a great foundations the club the Bohemian Football Club you know with the underage section all the way through our 17s and 19s and the senior and there's a great pathway now um, like you say like there's really positive things around the club uh, and teams will come to Target Park and teams will get beaten heavily you know teams will, will come and win but I think Shelburne are that good you have to, we have to be proud of ourselves because you know they're, they're a top top quality so they're all over the park senior international coming with Stacky and all that and Pearl obviously you know it's quality but we're, we're happy we're happy with, with, with the performance not happy with losing points but still that's football You've met some, you know, good attacking uh, options up front as well. You know, you know, you sign in Sinead. The particular looks like I thought it's one of those moments where you go, you read that and go, oh wow, that's a big statement as well. Um, you know, there's it's uh, there's a lot of opportunities up there now as well. Yeah, it's a lot. Sinead, Sinead was obviously Wexford last season, scored nine last season. wasn't didn't get you know regular game time, but uh, she's a top player and even in training, she's she, and she's the real leader in the dressing room. She's our captain and she's great around the place. You know, pushes the girls really hard. She's a serious threat. Uh, Kira Bates Crosby from Wexford as well in centre of the park done really well Erica Burke you know keeping her fit and getting her back in the pitch is a really happy horse she's a really good strong player uh, but yeah we're happy we're happy all over the place but listen it's, it's competition everyone needs competition as girls and the bench didn't get a run today but you know they got that, that, that chance eventually and lastly we've seen you know the home side here play in Talca big crowd as well uh, you're hoping for something similar when you get your games back in Daily Mount now as well that give a, an extra boost to your girls yeah and that's what Daniel Lambert the uh, yeah, Chief Operating Officer uh, he was you know he was really great connection with us and the, the, the air section you know he's, he's a great great uh, great fella you know he works really hard around the place uh, he wants to b- break the record for um, tennis at Women's National League game and Daniel you know Daniel's a very passionate guy about football and he's a very he's a bow supporter also he works with the club but he reckons he's going to break the record he, he's hoping to get a couple of thousand supporters into one of the games maybe I don't know maybe next week but he's, he's kind of aiming for Shelburne I think in the 14th I think it's May uh, but that's what he wants to do he wants to get a big crowd in the Daily Mountain you know hopefully he will Perfect. Well, best luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. All right. So that is Shelburne versus Bohemians, and that was a one nil. Now, before we go, lads, uh, we were we were talking about the Manchester derby off air, Ollie. Um, again, kind of looking looking at that game from an Irish perspective. Obviously, the last time we had an Irish player playing in, a, I think, it was way back in twenty eleven February. John O'Shea uh, starting in that Shea given on the bench for Manchester City, but. Time has moved on, and also this is a the we're like ten whatever it is ten years now since the post Fergie era, and it's the same problems we're talking about in Manchester United, and the gap to City is just growing. Yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm a United fan. Unfortunately, it's it's hard to watch them at the moment, and some of the stuff it's it's unforgivable, really. And you're looking at it like. The, like they, they discussed it yesterday in depth after the match, but losing the game, you can accept us. The, the way they lose, and it looked like they, they, they just down tools. I don't know, they, no belief in themselves, no belief in each other. And they're not a belief in the manager or the system or the way they're playing. Or There's just something radically wrong there um, that 
that needs to be rectified. And to be, at the moment, they're light years behind Man City and, and Liverpool. It's a huge gap to bridge. And um, you know, I was saying there, in the, I think it was the 35th minute, the game was stopped for uh, medical assistance for one of the supporters. And you see Pep getting on the pitch and getting into the, his own players' ears. And I was thinking, well, City will do something on the back of this now because he's watching the game unfold. And he's had a chance now to actually talk to the players and give them more info so that this could be trouble for United. Now, they didn't score in the period up to half time, but the second half they they took over and you know it was just really really poor from United and some of the defending is you know from supposedly top players was so disappointing to watch and say oh it's a it's a long road ahead for whoever comes in as manager has got a lot of lot of problems to sort out there and as in you're saying there the last ten years since Fergie left looking at Mourinho probably one of the the, the biggest names and you know you think he'd be able to go in and sort it out hasn't been able to sort it out they've gone from one manager to another and still the same issues same problems so huge job on whoever's shoulders comes in to try and take that over and they say that it's a big bridge to gap to, to those to the Liverpool's and Man City's at the moment yeah there's definitely a lack of clarity from the top all the way down to the bottom of the club that seems to be kind of the the thing and also I suppose Graham you brought in words like encapsulates earlier on and we look at Roy Keane who probably needs a thesaurus at this stage when you think about the fact he's I think he's called them disgraceful previously um it was shameful yesterday there's probably other words that need to be uh need to be said but like yourself looking at that and looking I suppose from a like a player's point of view uh, and the, I suppose the lack of pressing, the lack of an idea on the pitch, the lack of somebody there to kind of uh, pull people together, that seems to be an obvious problem for them. Lack of leadership and the lack of culture to, to implement that leadership is one to, we, we've spoken about previously. I can only take me, us as players can only take the lead off what's above us and I can only implement what I know the manager will back. So if I'm standing in a dressing room with Ollie and I say, Ollie, this is what we do. This is why we do it. And he's questions it. I know the manager who come in is going to go, no, he's right. So let's go. And and you need that sort of leadership to then transfer through the players and the, and the leadership group and uh, will then roll with that and implement that to the rest of the squad. But like you said, all these, you can see when you're a fellow, an ex-footballer or whatever level you play at and you watch a game and you see players not running, you're thinking that's the bit that actually hurts you as a professional footballer. You're looking at them going, there's ways to be beaten. You go out. I'm not talking about, like I know people talking about making tackles and that's not what I'm talking about. But just have a togetherness about you. The second goal, I think, and, and you were talking about Fred on the telly and talking about Maguire and the thing. But the distance between the, the midfield um, and the back line is just too big. As soon as the ball, the game gets turned over, I sh- you should be looking at your two defensive midfielders at least being in the 18-yard the box at that particular time. And that, that's when you always measure a good defensive team is the distances between the centre-back and the centre-forward. People complain about Liverpool playing a high line, but the distance between Van Dijk and, and, and the strikers are small. And that has to move up and down the pitch. And I don't think it does with United. I think the gaps are too big. People compared it to Liverpool uh, sort of not being able to compete during the 90s and the 2000s after being so successful in the 80s. But the biggest difference for me is Liverpool weren't financially able to compete during those years. United have four of the top five highest earners in the Premier League, wages-wise. So that's where the difference is, is that they're still able to compete financially, but they're just it's not just not transmitting onto the football pitch. And it's it is worrying to see where they're gonna go with it. Um, but like you said, there's no clarity. 
Yeah, and when we contrast it with Manchester City and obviously, as you said, you mentioned money there. They have plenty of it, and they've and they spent and they've spent where Pep Guardiola wants it. Um, the but the thing that they have clearly, Ollie, is this kind of idea. They they went out, they looked for Pep Guardiola. That that's who they wanted over the years, and that and it has uh, and it's and it's worked out obviously. And the club is structured in the way to get the best out of him, but also the squad that they have built. It's exactly what he has wanted. Yeah, there, there is a plan there. Everyone's buying into it, players included, as I say. And back to the point I was saying earlier, when Pep was on, he's telling the players, want you, they're going out and they're carrying that out to a T and they're, they're getting the results. And it's just, I say, it's night and day, City to United at the moment. It's, you know, as you say, that was the plan for City. They had a plan, they've put it in place and it's bearing fruits now at United. There is no plan. It doesn't seem to be. It's, it's just all over the place. Um, but, you say, look, I suppose if you when when Pep came in, he was oh, they're a bit too open at the back, and they're this or they're that. And he's he's rectified that. He's gradually put the blocks in place, got the keeper in, got you know Diaz at the back, and oh, he's injured, but Stones lost of form back in. You see what he's done with Sterling as well. Sterling was flying, then lost form. He was sitting out, come back in, he's back amongst the goals and flying again. Pep just seems to be able to manage them and get the best out of them, but they're buying into it. There's a belief in what they're doing. There's a belief in the manager. There's a belief when they go on the pitch, they'll say every time they go on the pitch, they believe they can win the game and they've got the information to go and win the game and they know what they're, what they're doing. I say, flip that to the other side to United. As I say, it's just night and day, and there is no comparison at all. But look, fair play to City. People say, oh, they've they have the money, they've bought this and that. And to an extent, yeah, they have. They've got their but Just it was a plan, and they've they've stuck to that plan and they've carried it out. And, and look where they are now. And they're a joy to watch. They work their socks off as well, as well as the stuff they do on the ball and the quality they have. You wouldn't see them standing around looking at players putting the ball in the net they'd be making an effort anyway because that's what Pep would demand and they know when they go on the pitch that's what's that's what's expected of me and I'm going to give it yeah and I think from what we've just said there Manchester United will go on and win the Champions League this season a la Chelsea <laughs> from 10 years ago I think that's what I'm getting from but anyway but even um, sorry back to what Graham was saying like when we were at Drada we know exactly under Paul Dillon and what we were doing and if you didn't do it you'd be called out over <laughs> yeah. not just Paul but other players as well would be going that's not acceptable, you know. And it just to say, you know, it seem to be every other week it's happening. You're going, is is is? Use the laugh, Ollie. You'd be, you'd be a bit, there'd be a bit of rain, and we used to say you'd want to get your studs on, lads, and they'd be like, what? You go, put your studs on, and then there'd be new, the new lads would all go, nah, it's not that bad, and I go, put your studs on. <laughs> then Paul would come over in the warm up, and he'd be checking. You'd, you'd say, just put your heels up at the back, and he'd be checking to see who had the studs on, and then he'd say, look, get him out, get your studs. And yeah. I'd be saying, we told you, we tried to give you a heads up here, you know. So I understand it was, we, we, I could close my eyes to this day and see where every player on the pitch should have been when, when we look back at that squad because we were that well drilled and you just didn't step out of, out of that. And without that, it doesn't look like, you know, you'd have that sort of design or plan of how they play and a lot of this stuff is off the cuff. Yeah, and plan is the operative word because uh, obviously we know the schedule that is coming up. And again, that's a segue there, uh, Graham. So you set me up very nicely. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> Friday, uh, there's UCD versus Derry City at the Bowl, Shelburne, uh, Houston Dundalk at Talca Park, Drada United against Sligo Rovers, and then Shamrock Rovers versus Bohemians, and then Finn Harps versus St. Patrick's Athletic. And then the first division, uh, there is Treaty United against Longford Town, Waterford versus Wexford. 
Bray Wanderers versus Galway, uh, Cork City versus Cove Ramblers, and in the Women's National League, Bohemians against Athlone, Sligo against uh, DLR Waves, Treaty United against Cork City, Wexford Youths against Shelburne, that's going to be a huge game, and then Galway against Mount United, uh, which brings us, I believe, to a close, lads. Uh, we've, uh, I think we've been chatting away for an hour there, so uh, if you want to get a cup of tea, a bit of food or whatever, I think now is the, now is the time where we're kind of freeing you. So, Graham. Ollie and Ed, thanks a million for taking the time. Cheers, Cheers Ron. Thank you. Thank you.